0: Shabbat Shalom. We've tried to do something a little different with this musical Shabbat. As you've seen, we've changed things around in part because Laura, our usual percussionist, is is sick and not able to be with us, but also to to go into a bit more of a meditative space. And I hope you'll tell us how you feel if you've been to this one and other ones and compare and contrast the two to give us some direction as we start to plan for next year and how we'll continue, hopefully, to grow this worship experience and also maintain the worship experience that is our regular minhag, our regular customs on Fridays and Saturdays, but to use this as sort of a lab environment to try new things. I want to draw your attention to our handout and some of the things that are going on at the synagogue, in particular uh, June 1st we have a congregational retreat. We'll be going as a a community and a congregation to uh, the URJ's Camp Kalsman, which is just over the border Uh, about an hour and a half from here. We already have about 25 families that have signed up for the retreat. Uh, I shouldn't just say family, I should say 25, um, well, families in the congregation, some of those are with children and some of those are are not with children. Uh, And it's actually a really nice mix. So there is plenty of adults without children that are going if you're thinking, oh is this just going to be a kids thing? And if you're wondering is there going to be anything there for my kids, we have lots of kids going as well. So it's a really nice mix and we'll have two tracks Uh, of study and of play and of experience and camp stuff, so I hope that you'll join us for that. Um, The rest of the announcements are there in front of you, I won't take the time to read them all to you, um, other than to uh, say once again a mazel tov to Hannah uh, on your bat mitzvah. We look forward tomorrow to celebrating with you as you read from Torah, and uh, those that have signed up for dinner, we look forward to joining you uh, for Shabbat dinner after the service. So I wanted to, you can sit wherever you'd like. <laughs> this is Josh's mom. They just made it up from Seattle. Welcome, we're glad you're here. Anima amim be'munah Anima amim be'munah I believe with perfect faith. I believe in God. I hope that doesn't shock you as your rabbi for me saying a statement like that. But the next statement might. But I don't believe in God the way that I used to. I don't believe in the God of my childhood or even the God of my early days in the rabbinate, a God that was all-knowing and all-powerful, controlled and did and could do anything, a God that doled out blessings and curses, good and bad, in my life or in the lives of others, a God of reward and punishment. I believe now in a God of limitations. A God that is limited. A God that can only do so much and is constrained by the laws of nature, by the laws of humanity in all of our finest moments and all of our cruelest and most evil ways. A God that is constrained by the forces of Of nature that are far beyond even God's control. I don't want to... I say this because I have seen too much, too much undeserved suffering in our world, let alone too much unmerited reward. And so I cannot believe in a God that controls the doling out of good and bad, suffering and blessing, joy and oi. I don't need to list for you, but we could just look at the headlines of our newspapers today and we could see all of the things in the world that just should not be happening to the innocent and the young and the good and the, and the frail and the infirm. The inhumanities that we do to each other, they are that, what we do to each other. I can't say that God is doing that. I couldn't believe in a God that could have some measure or modicum of control over that, And could stop it, prevent it, and does it. Maybe you feel the same way. The God that I believe in is limited by what can be done within those laws of nature. To quote Rabbi Harold Kushner in his famous and profound and transformative work, When Bad Things Happen to Good People, how many of you have read that book? A careful reading, when I ask that question, oftentimes when I quote the book, is that people misremember the title of the book. We think the title says, Why Bad Things Happen to Good People. That that would be a book. <laughs> but Rabbi Kushner doesn't go that far. He says, in fact, that he can't. In fact, what he says is, we shouldn't go there. To not focus on the why, but to focus on the now what. But deep in the book, or not so deep, In the book, Rabbi Kushner writes the following. He says, I no longer hold God responsible for illnesses, accidents, and natural disasters, because I realize that I gain little and lose so much when I blame God for those things. He continues, I can worship a God who hates suffering but cannot eliminate it more easily than I can worship a God who chooses to make children suffer and die for whatever exalted reason. I believe with perfect faith that God does not cause our misfortunes. Some are caused by bad luck, some are caused by bad people, and some are simply an inevitable consequences of us living in contact and in connection and in close proximity to other human beings and being mortal, and living in a world that is imperfect and inflexible because of natural laws. And by the same token, God does not reward us with good fortune. Sometimes it's just good luck. Sometimes it is generosity done to us directly or indirectly, and sometimes we make our own luck. Sometimes we make our own good fortune. This is my theology. This is my belief system. Perhaps it's similar to yours as well. But it is not the theology of this week's Torah portion, B'huqotay. It is not the theology of what Hannah is going to read tomorrow. The other, the theology of this week's Torah portion, as it begins, "Im telechu, If you follow in my laws, in my precepts, my commandments, my mitzvot, then I will do for you all of these things: rain in its proper season bounty of food, uh, security in your land. And then it continues on. If you don't do these things, if you don't follow my commandments, this being my being God, if you don't do my mitzvot and follow my laws and precepts, then you won't get rain in this proper season. There will be a famine in your land. Curses will fall down from the heavens upon you. You will be insecure, and your enemies will besiege you at every moment. So I used to be a, a computer programmer, before I was well, actually while I was a rabbi and we would call that an if then statement and an if then statement if you know anything about computer programming or logic problems is a very powerful statement because it says if you do this then this will happen and you can change the world with an if then statement it's conditional and it is quite often conditioned to reward We call this Torah portion, by the way, it has a thematic name, called the tochecha, which is the rebuke. Because the rewards are great, but we tend to focus on the what-if-I-don'ts, right? And the what-if-I-don'ts are quite quite disconcerting. And so we focus on the rebuke, the if you shouldn't, this is what's going to happen. Maimonides says that this if-then statement if you do this, then this will happen, is the key to making things happen for human beings, not only computers. He didn't know from computers or apps. Maimonides said that if-then statements not only work in the binary world, they work in the human world as well. In fact, as human beings, we respond really well to if-then statements. And Maimonides explains this by way of an analogy about raising children. He says, if you want to get a child to eat their vegetables, to do something healthy, to put something down or pick something up. It's OK, Maimonides says, to reward them or to entice them with a toy or uh, some candy or sugar. Because in the end, what you're in trying to get them to do is good for them. But what they need is some motivation. Really what Maimonides is saying is that we are all some version of Pavlov's dog, that we all respond when the, when the pellet drops down and we do our thing. He wrote this in his Guide to the Perplexed, which is a great title for a book for the Jews. (laughs) As he tries to explain the Torah, really he tries to explain Mishnah Torah, he tries to explain how this system works. And in particular, he happens upon this statement that says, if you do these things, God rewards you, and if you don't do these things, God punishes you. And he says, This is troubling and problematic for people because we see that it's just not true. We see a world that doesn't work like that, because if it did, there would be so much blessing. We could control the world, which is what human beings want more than anything. If the system worked like that, it would be great. I'll just be good, and then all the people I love will be healthy and happy, and wealth will fall down, and the whole thing. We know it doesn't work that way. And so Maimonides says, don't be fooled to think that the Torah is being literal here. Don't be fooled to think that the Torah is saying to you, if you do this, you get rewarded by God, if you don't do this, you get punished by God. Maimonides says this is just like giving candy to a child. This is just motivation for human beings. This is just a way of getting us to do what is in our best interest, even though we aren't yet able to comprehend that or we aren't willing to make the sacrifices to do that. We are pretty simple, us human beings, I think. With the right amount of reward or sufficient amount of fear, we can be motivated to do anything. The goal of Judaism and the goal of Torah, then, is clearly stated. Be like the one, it says this in Pirkei Avot in the Mishnah, be like the one who serves your master without being on condition of reward. Who does it, L'shem shemaim? who does it for the sake of heaven. The Torah doesn't want us to do it for the candy. The Torah doesn't want us to do it Judaism doesn't want us to do it because of fear or because of reward. It wants us to do it because that is our altruistic desire, because we just want to do good. But God or Jewish tradition or the rabbis who wrote it all are smart enough to know that if you give us that kind of loophole, we're never going to really do it. That we need the candy, we need the toy, we need the reward. We're human beings. Sometimes we need a little shtuch. We need a little a little push in the right direction, prodding us to go towards the good or away from the bad. And that's why this is here. This Torah portion, this tocheka, this rebuke. Not because God works that way, but because we work that way. We are here to live a life of meaning to live a life of purpose, to take the opportunity that we have, this limited time that we have, and to get the very most out of it. Our tradition says, and I firmly believe, just as I, Anima Amim, believe in God, that the way to have a life filled with meaning and purpose is to live a life according to what Torah prescribes and shares with us with some modern adaptations for our modern value system and the world that we live in. It's okay. Babies cry all the time in my house. I cry in my house. It's okay. For Jews, it's explicit. We just read it last week. We just read it when we read Parshat Kedoshim and the Holiness Code. We should be holy because God created us to be as an image of God to be holy. But what is different between us and God is that God is limited in what God can do. God is constrained and confined by the laws of nature, by the limits of free will. And we, as human beings, are not. With our intellect, with our mind, with our ability working together, we can actually break the laws of nature or at least bend them to our will. We can fly. When we thought for long, we couldn't. We, as human beings, can bring bread and food and healing to places where it never existed before. God can't do that. Either because God set up the system where God can't or because in our own theology we realize that that's not God's job, that's ours. I believe in a limited God with perfect faith. And I believe in a limitless humanity. And our tradition says to go towards the good. Maybe we need the cookie. Maybe we need the candy. Maybe we need the toy to motivate us. It would be great if we did it all because we just felt that way. Torah gives us the motivation to go towards the good. To be limitless in what we do. To remake the world. To remake the world in God's image. As only we can make it and shape it. Shabbat shalom. shabbat shalom our service continues with the counting of the omer sifrata omer which rabbi brown i think has <laughs> so the um, the omer this period that we're in between pesach and shavuot is a counting each day